0: Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from City Harvest Church, Orange County. To find out more information about City Harvest, please visit chcus.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in chcus. <laughs> Let's go. When I was sitting there, I was I felt impressed to say this, that revival is not hype. Yeah. Don't hype up revival. Yeah. It's not about you shouting and dancing just out of your own soul however when the spirit of God come the Bible says that we will be enthused we will be enthused entheos which is the Greek word when you are so full of God you cannot be sitting back you cannot be folding your arms you cannot come and critique and carry the spirit of criticism. Yes. So that is the balance here. We don't hype up the presence of God because you wanna, we, we want to send a message. But when you are so full of God, you cannot help but sing and dance and lift up your hands. If you so want revival... You cannot be laying back in your chair and say, God, show me what you can do today. How many of you want revival? How many of you think you need revival? How many of you think America is time for revival? It is time for revival. Today, my husband is not here. He's preaching in Freedom House. So I'm tasked to continue this series of revival. <laughs> so I want to say this. It is difficult to preach about revival because revival cannot be preached. It must be participated. Yeah. Amen. Yes. yes, we are in a season of revival. Yeah. Many people are crying out for revival. We heard about the Asbury movement. I don't call it the revival because I don't see the evidence of a revival. I see the evidence of a movement. A stirring up of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw the Jesus Revolution movie. People are crying out. Everyone is rushing to go to Asbury to witness, to be in the presence of God. There is such a hunger. There is such a hunger for a move of God. There's such a desperation for God to show up again. So we know that God is stirring. God is stirring people in every places, every church, every family. God is stirring. And God is stirring you, I can see. That God is stirring inside of you to come closer, draw nearer, to say enough is enough. Enough. To say, I'm hungry hungry for a great move of God. I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. I don't want to read another report of a child being abused, a child being aborted. I don't want to read another report of men murdering men, women coming against men. I don't want to read another report of that. I want to read the report that God visited the land of America and we return back to the roots. Of the Word of God. We come back to a land of of milk and honey. We come back to a people who are so full of God. Who put aside our differences, our discrimination, our prejudices. Put aside the different colors, the different different tongues. And come together to worship the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Isn't that how America was founded? You know, America played such a big part in our revival in Asia. Growing up, I used to love and admire so much America because they were the one who brought the gospel to our country. They set up churches and schools so that we can learn the word of God. And because of the the American missionaries, Singapore today is in revival. Asia today is is in revival. So understand that revival is so crucial. In fact, today, there are 21 universities and schools that are witnessing signs of revival. And places are coming up. People are being stirred up. Churches find themselves being stirred up. And there's prolonged prayer, prolonged worship, prolonged crying out on the altar. And last two weeks, we saw that in our church. We saw a thick presence. We felt a thick presence of God. People crying out for more of God in the midst of us. Amen. You know, David says in Psalms 85, he says, Will you not revive us again, Lord, that your people may rejoice? Amen. How many of you think that you would rejoice when Jesus show up? Yes. When God show up in the midst of us. Amen. Amen. The prophet Habakkuk said, understood this when he prayed this in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, in the NLT version. He says, I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe, everyone say awe, oh. oh. by the amazing things you have done in this time of our deep need. How many of you know that America is in a deep need? Yeah. America is in a crossroad right now. If we do not arise and fight, if we do not cry out to God to revisit us again, we will lose our next generation. Can you imagine a world without Christ? Can you imagine a world right now moving into the direction that we are going? It is a desperate cry for us to bring order, to begin to expose the workers of demons. People that have come up in alignment, in allegiance with powers of darkness and bring about doctrines, bring about policies that's going to slaughter our young. But yet King Jehoshaphat said, though I have no power against this, I set my eyes on God. Because God can and God will. When the cry of the people come up to him, Amen. So in this time of deep deep need, begin again to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Let's pray. I want everyone to be praying. Come, stir up the spiritual atmosphere over this place. Lord, we pray, oh God, Lord, that you will return back to the land of America. Lord, return to us, oh God, as we return back to you. Draw near to us as we draw near to you. We need you to come, oh God, come back and revisit us. You love America. You have a plan to prosper her and not to harm her. You want to bring her back to her legacy. You want to bring her back, oh God, Lord, to revival, you want to bring her back to holiness and righteousness, you want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that your people rise up and lift up holy hands to pray and to worship and to look upon you, that they will follow you and not follow, oh God, any other shepherd, that they will come to a place, oh God, Lord, that we will unite as one. That there will be no divide between men and women. There will be no divide between tongues. There will not be no divide between colors. That we come together, O oh God, as one. As we put our eyes upon you, O oh God. Lord, we cry out to you. Return back to America. We cry out to you, O oh God, in your anger. Lord, as you see from heaven all the things that has been done here. That God, you will forgive us. You will forgive us as we repent to God and pray that you, O oh God, Lord, will remember your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you love America. You love this land that you called your own. The spiritual Jew of this generation, that you have raised her up, O oh God, Lord, to be truly a sign and a wonder. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. What is revival? Last week, we learned that revival is a community saturated with God. Someone said revival is heaven invading the earth. And what about Richard Owen Roberts says? He says revival is an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. A.W. Dozer defined revival as that which changes the moral climate of a community. So, when we put that all together, this is what revival is. Revival starts with a movement. Everyone say movement. A movement, a movement of the Holy Spirit that creates an awakening. Say awakening. awakening. Awakening to the reality of Christ that leads to transformation of a community. Say transformation. transformation. Movement. movement. Awakening. awakening. Transformation. That is revival. So in my opinion, a transformative revival has to have these five major points. Number one, there must be devotion to Christ. There must be obedience to the Word. There must be passion for worship because God is worthy of all worship. There must be the love for the church because it is the church that God loves. God is coming back for the church. No, God is not coming back for an individual. God is not coming back for a ministry. God is coming back for a church where He stamped His name on the walls of the church. Number five, commitment to evangelism. Because God loves the world. So revival will see the evidence of these five things. That people will rise up to love God, love the house of God, and love the people of the world. Isaiah says this in fifty-five verse six. Says, "Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near." You see that in revival, God comes near to people, and so you get into the presence easier. You connect with God with greater ease. So it is important for us not to sit back and just watch But we need to participate We need to keep stirring up the water I want you to do this with me Stir up the water All right, come on, do it Stir up the water Yes, we need to keep stirring up the water Until we feel the momentum My question to you is this Does revival start with men? Or it starts with God? Does revival start with men, or does it start with God? You see, God, in the time of revival, will sovereignly stir up men, draw you to pray, draw you to come close. But men needs to start the momentum. Men need to participate in it. Personal revival always precedes corporate revival. Personal revival always precedes corporate revival. There cannot be corporate revival if personally we are not revived. There's not a deep cry for more of God. You understand that? So it is important for us to know we should not be sitting back. Most people are sitting back in their chair waiting for revival so that they can jump into revival. But God is waiting for the individuals to be stirred up so that collectively... The dam breaks and overflow out of our lives And into the streets of the cities Amen? Amen. Amen So today It's not just about being Excited But engaging your full heart To come along With where I'm going So that you can come deeper And come and cry out Greater for a great move of God Amen. What must we do to experience Revival right? What is your responsibility? What is your duty if you want to see revival? What must you do? There are four things. Number one, Number one. ask God to move in your life, in your family, and ministry. Ask God to move in your life, in your family, and in your ministry. In Acts chapter 2, we heard about Jesus being lifted up, right? He was lifted up in heaven by angels. How many people witnessed him being lifted up? 500. Everyone say 500. Let me tell you, if you're one of those standing there and watching Jesus being lifted up, do you think that you will be a nominal Christian from that day onwards? No. Will you be fervent, pursuing God, serious with God? Well, you would think so, right? 500 people witnessed Jesus being lifted up. And what did Jesus say? Stay in Jerusalem, power is coming. How many of you, one more time, you need power? We need power in our life, don't you think so? We need power to resist cultural influences. We need power to resist demonic attacks. We need power just to stand with God. And God says, stay here, stay in Jerusalem, and power is coming. He didn't tell them how many days to wait. The 500 people gathered and they prayed. And then how many days did it take for the Holy Spirit to come? Ten. Everyone say ten. I want to ask you, does it take 10 days for Jesus to fly from earth to heaven? Wow. Maybe it did. 10 days just to get there. Well, that, that's very long, right? The plane is faster. <laughs> did it take 10 days for Jesus to reach heaven and so that the Holy Spirit came? Now, let me tell you that Jesus went to heaven immediately and presented his nail-pierced hand before the Father. Because the Father is the one who promised that if he died for all of us, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon you. That was the promise of the Father, so that Jesus would die for us, not to just save us, but that He would sanctify our bodies so the Holy Spirit can live on the inside of you. When He presented His hands before His Father, the Holy Spirit came immediately. But He could not inhabit the people because the people were still not ready for Him. They had to pray. They had to pray. They had to seek the face of God. Do you know God had to sift to see whose hearts are truly loyal before Him? Are you loyal before Him? It took 10 days for that 500 people to be sifted, 380 people left. If you were one of them who saw the Lord resurrected, and lifted to heaven by angels. And he gave you a last commandment to stay here because you're going to receive power. Yet 380 people left. When the Holy Spirit came on the 10th day, there were only 120 people. Will you be the 120 or will you be the 380? you understand it is not just about what we see, what we hear. It's about is your heart fully surrendered to God? Are you hungry for a move of God? Are you fully convinced without Jesus you cannot? Because without you, God won't. And the Holy Spirit had to wait by the door for 10 days. And the hundred and people finally came together They were so desperate and hungry for a move of God. Do you think the 100 and people had no jobs? Do you think the 120 people had no families to return to? But they were more desperate for God than to return back to their normal day-to-day life, earning a living just to pay bills. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. That is a promise, guys. That is a promise. If you are hungry for God, if you are thirsty, God is going to fill you. That is a promise. So we need to seek God. King David was such a man. And in Psalm 63 verses 1 to 2, he said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David describes his hunger for God like a man stranded in a desert and has no water. And he is desperate to find God and he came to the sanctuary. You see, no one can force you to experience God. No one can force you to drink in what God is doing. You must jump in yourself. In Asia, we have a proverb that says, because, you know, in Asia, there were many farming industry, that you cannot force a buffalo to drink water. (laughs) If he doesn't want to drink water, you cannot force him. God is not going to force you. But don't just be a crowd around Jesus. Don't just crowd around Jesus. You need to stretch out your hands when He appears. Amen. Amen. Every Sunday when you come, are you coming expecting to hear a motivational message? Or are you coming to see a visitation, to wait upon the Lord and to have a visitation? The woman with the issue of blood, she was in, in pain for 12 years, had a blood problem, And 12 years, she sought doctors and she was almost bankrupt because no doctors could heal her. That day she heard that the Messiah is coming, that the son of David is coming into town. She told herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If only I reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. No one taught her that touching the hem of his garment will be healed. Do you know what the have of his garment? His tassel, right at the top, bottom. But she told herself, I am desperate. This is my last chance. Yeah. So in spite of her frail physical condition, in spite of the fact that she's unclean in the Jewish law during that time, that she's not supposed to be even seen in public and touch people because will, she will make them all unclean. But she doesn't care. Right. How many of you will not care about the opinion of men or women? That you will lift out your hands and worship. If God move in your heart, you cry. If God move in your legs, you dance. If God move in your hands, you wave your hands. You will be like a crazy woman, a crazy man. Because you're not here to perform for anyone else. You're here to worship the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Don't come to church looking all so dignified, yet empty on the inside of you. I'd rather... Paul says, I'd rather be fools for Christ. I'd rather be fools to the people, but to God. He is pleased. When I lift up my voice, I know I don't have a great voice. My, my husband always laughs at me, say, oh my gosh, you know. But I don't care. It's not because I enjoy listening to myself. I don't enjoy listening to myself, you know. But I just love to worship God. I love to sing to Him. I love to lift up my voice and to please my Lord." Amen. So I know God has a filter in heaven, praise the Lord. <laughs> so I'm always in the right pitch the right key. <laughs> so that woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus, thronged by people, that means there are a whole huge crowd. Pushing against him, he turned around and said, who touched me? Because I feel power came out of me. I felt virtue came out of me. Whoa. How many of you are so hungry on the inside, so desperate, that every time you come, Jesus feels the touch from you? Yeah. That you were touching by your hunger. His power zapped through you because you are so, so hungry. Have you ever tried to siphon water, oil from one tank to another? Have you ever tried that before? What must you do? You learn it in physics. You need to use a tube and the tube must be vacuumed, right? There must be a vacuum. There must be enough suction to suck from one higher level to another. In the same way, if you are not empty enough, you will not suck the power from heaven. You will not draw power from heaven. You will not pull down power from heaven. (laughs) You will not pull down fa- uh, hi- uh, heaven on earth. Yeah. Just like the woman, the, the widow. And Elijah came to the woman. She is, she is desperate. Her children are going to be sold because they were in huge debt. And he said, give me your empty vessels. And when there's not enough, he said, go and borrow it from your neighbor. Are you empty enough? Yeah. Maybe... Some of you are not feeling God so close because you're not empty enough. You need to get emptier. You need to have such desperation that you will draw heaven into where you are. Amen? So we need to start praying. Everyone say, I will start praying. Pray for your life. Pray for your family. Pray for your ministry. Husband and wife, when you are home, pray with each other. Lead your children by their hand and pray for revival. If you are single, pray alone, okay? Or you can pray with your friends. All right. <laughs> anyway, number two, make time for Him to move. Make time for Him to move. Make space in your place for Him to move. Prioritize God in your life. We are so busy, God only squeeze in, in between some of our things. When we have time, God comes in. That is not going to create and provoke a move of God you need to time block. In my business, I teach entrepreneurs, business owners, how to time block so that they can multitask, so that they can be not just be successful in business, they know how to be successful in life, they know how to manage their ministry. So time blocking is important. When you don't time block, something else is time blocking you, all right? So you need to time block God into your schedule. And God is calling people into that place where He visits with them. And He wants us to come into a place of persistent prayer. Everyone say persistent prayer. persistent prayer. We must keep praying. Even if you don't feel the tangible presence of God, keep praying and keep praying until you break open. Right? The Bible says, ask and you shall uh, ask and you shall receive, right? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. In your persistent prayer, you know what is happening? God is changing you. God is transforming you. God is changing the way you think, how you uh, trust Him, aligning your heart. He is transforming you from the inside out. God is also asking us to have private prayer. Private prayer with Him. We need to shut our doors. Go into your private corner. Take your cell phone, whatever, outside the door and lock yourself in that room, and just between you and God, and learn how to rest, learn how to uh, come into His presence. The fact is this, God is always speaking, but we are not always listening. God is always speaking, but we are not always listening. And the devil cannot resist what God wants to do in your life. He cannot rob you of the promises of God. He cannot deny you your inheritance, but He can definitely distract you. Yeah. He can cause you to be so busy that you forget your time alone with God, that you forget God, and when you don't see God now, you see you. Now your problem becomes so big. Your knee becomes so strong, and there is no one except you to help you in your own journey. Don't be distracted. Don't fall into the trap of demons. In Matthew 6, Jesus instructed his disciples and said, don't be like the Pharisees, right? Pray openly, pray out loud so that everyone can hear you. That is not something that pleases God. You need to go into a quiet room where you and your father will speak. And he says that when you do that, the father who sees you and knows what you do in secret will reward you. So go into your room this week. I want, you to, I want to give you an assignment. This week, go into your room. Make time for God. Go into that room. Put your cell phone outside and just commune with God. Amen. You know how I do it? This is how I do it. I will just contemplate God. I play a soft music at the background. Not too loud music. Not too distracting. I play some music atmosphere to create an atmosphere. I contemplate God. I began to think about God. I began to remember how good God is. I rem- I began to contemplate the Lord on his mercy seat and on the throne room of in the throne room of God. seated there mag- with uh, uh, looking beautiful and magic uh, and and uh, majestically and I began to contemplate and bring my focus to God. And after that, I start praying in tongues. And began to start stirring up the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And as I stirred the Holy Spirit, I continued to contemplate God. And then I felt the impression. When the Holy Spirit impressed me on certain people and circumstances, I start praying. I started using words that I know to start praying in those in, 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 the, uh, in the area that God is leading me to pray Understand this This is what it means to pray With the Holy Spirit yeah. Prayer time with God Is not just coming with your whole list of agenda yeah. When you pray with the Holy Spirit Your prayer becomes so meaningful Amen. You understand that the Holy Spirit Is the source of revival yeah. And the Holy Spirit wants to revive you Amen. But The Holy Spirit, though, has no form, the Holy Spirit definitely has a voice. So in times of revival, this is what is happening. You are lending the Holy Spirit your vocal cord so that He can move through your voice. So whenever we, we all have a desire. How many of you have a desire to have a greater move of God in your life? But you know desire is not enough. Am I right? You have a desire, you have to decide. You have to decide that you are going to be the carrier of revival. When you decide, when there's a decision, guess what? There will be discipline. You will be able to discipline yourself to switch off your Netflix, turn off your game on your phone, lock yourself in the door, in the room, and start seeking the Lord. And when God shows up, When God began to impress upon you, speak to you, give you revelation, that discipline becomes a delight. So from desire, everyone say desire. Desire. Say decision. Decision. Say discipline. discipline. We will end up in delight. Delight in the Lord, the Bible says, and He shall fulfill the desires of your heart. You see, the end goal of communing with God is that God will speak to us. In Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus went very early to seek the Lord. It says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If Jesus needed time with God, how much more you and I? Can I hear amen? amen? If you expect to hear from God, if you want to hear from God, when was the last time God spoke to you? If you want to hear from God, you need to learn how to Listen, David in Psalms 46, verse 10, says, Be still. Everyone say, Be still. Be still to pause, to stop your busyness. Stop all the noises in your head. Stop all the busyness of your heart. Be still. Stop. Be still and know that I am God. And this word know denotes an encounter. Denotes an encounter. That means when you are still, you then can encounter God. And when you encounter God, what happens is it changes your perspective of who you are and where you are, right? The principles of perspective. You ready for this? Listen carefully. Where you sit determines what you see. Where you sit determines what you see. Those of you who are sitting in front, look at me, you see the front of me, am I right? Those of you on my right, you see the right side of me, am I right? You know, maybe you probably not see the whole of me, but only the right side of me. Those of you sitting on the left, you see the left side of me, but not my right. So where you sit determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. What you see determines what you do. I don't see what I need to do because I'm not sitting where God is sitting. So you on the other side say, I need to be in this ministry. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, this is this, this is that. But you are not seeing what God is seeing. So don't say with absolute that this is what you know is true. Unless you see where God is seeing, you do not know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I don't see what I need to do because I'm not sitting where God is seeing, where God is sitting. I see today, God sees tomorrow. I see this corner, God sees around the corner. So if you are God, if you are God, then you can say with all absolute that what you see is right and what you do, you want to do is right, but you are not God. You're not seeing where he's sitting. You're not seeing what he's seeing. You're not seeing the future. You're not seeing around the corner. So what must we do? We must learn to trust God. We must learn to come and sit with him. One more time, turn to your neighbor, and said, sit with God. Sit with God so that you can see what he's seeing, so that you can do what is needed to get where he wants you to go. All right? Number three. What are the things we need to do to get ready for revival? We need to pray. What is the second thing? We need to make time time for God. Number three, we need to discern how and where God is moving. Discern how and where God is moving. I am in the financial planning industry. We are very concerned about the global affairs. We are concerned about what... uh, Things are coming up on the horizon because it affects economy. It affects where we should invest. So in studying of the economy, you understand, and I have said this before, disruptive innovations are happening. While we close, while the world closed the door during COVID, research has been going on in the back end to bring the world to a different order. Accelerated by artificial intelligence, a lot of disruptions are happening in major industry. And what happens is when this whole disruption is completed, when it's fully adopted, the world will look totally different from where you and I are right now. So from what I see, the new world order is an absolute, meaning that it will get there. I just do not know when. I just do not know in the process of getting there what are the events that will uh, what are the events that we have to overcome so in life there are absolutes am i right yeah, yeah. it is appointed for men to die yeah. that is an absolute yes. you and i will die one day we just do not know when we just do not know how but we are going to die that's an absolute in our christian faith there are absolutes right The absolutes is this, that what? Jesus is coming back. Can I hear amen? Amen. If you don't believe that, you will live a reckless life. If you don't believe heaven and hell, you will live a careless life. And that's what the world is doing right now. But you and I believe in the absolute that Jesus is coming back. Amen? And what is the other absolute? That the body, that Jesus is coming back for a body that is glorious. That the church will come into her purity, her faith, her righteousness, her holiness, and her glory. Because Jesus is not going to come back to a bride whose wedding gown is still wrinkled, who is still dusty on the the outside, who is not made up and looking pretty. Amen? So the Lord is coming back for a glorious bride. So that is the certainty. So understand revival is an absolute... It is only when, That's right. it is only how, it is only with who will God start the revival. Yeah. So it is up to you and I to decide if we want to just watch the revival or we want to be part of the revival. Do we want to come together to stir up revival and accelerate the process or do we want to just be in our cushy life and be comfortable We're chasing after the things of this world. Proverbs 20, verse 24 say, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own ways? Understand, we are not God. We don't have the complete understanding of everything God is doing. And the Holy Spirit often breaks the regular order and the customs of the world. Am I right? The Holy Spirit is the master over the church. Right now, with Jesus being lifted up, the Holy Spirit is here. He is the leader of the body of Christ. So he is a master, not a mascot. But many churches have made the Holy Spirit a mascot. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not leading the church. That's why we do not see massive signs and wonders. We do not see a great move of God. We see slumber. We see the body of Christ slumbering, coming under demonic atmosphere, believing lies, embracing doctrine. There's not even God. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit that gives us revelation and understanding. Acts 16, a very good example. The apostles subjected themselves to the Holy Spirit. Do you know they wanted to bring the gospel to Asia during that time? And the Holy Spirit stopped them from going to Asia. And then they wanted to go to Bethania. And the Holy Spirit said, no, not Bethania. The Holy Spirit redirected them to Troas. And in Troas, the Apostle Paul had a visitation of this man from Macedonia. And he said, come to Macedonia because we need your help. And when Paul went to Macedonia, Paul met Lydia. Lydia was a marketplace woman who was instrumental in revival in that territory. So you understand the apostles and Paul subjected themselves to the Holy Spirit. And that's why the gospel went to Europe and now is coming to Asia on this side. And eventually we believe from Asia, Israel will receive the gospel and then the end will come. So you understand, God has a plan, God has an intention, and God will often mess up our schedule and our expectation because He wants us to know who is God. So when you focus on God, Jeremiah 29 says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. Are you seeking God with all your heart? If you seek God with all your heart, you will be attuned to Him. You will be sensitive to Him. You will understand what is He doing in the good and in the bad. And not expecting because you believe in Christ, everything is going to be good. That's why many Christians are so disappointed. Their hearts are jaded. They cannot have faith. Because you're not sitting where God is sitting to see that even this bad thing is good. Even this bad thing is for something good. You can't see it. That's why your faith is fractured. Your faith is shipwrecked because you can't see what God is doing. God often chose the least likely to assume leadership to lead revival. Will God look at us and say we are worthy? Zacchaeus, Jesus met Zacchaeus. He is a tax collector. The town people hated him because he robbed them of their money. But God touched Zacchaeus and caused financial revival to happen in his town. Yeah. What about the woman at the well? She was so plagued with shame that she had to draw water in midnoon when nobody came so that she can avoid her townspeople. Yet that day she drank from the river of living water that flowed out of this man called Jesus the Messiah. And she went back into town and was the evangelist and brought revival to that whole town. And the whole town came to the Lord Jesus Christ. What about Gideon? Gideon was hiding out from the enemies. Yet God, the angel, sent an angel and said, Gideon, you are a man of valor. And he rose up and, and led 300 men and brought deliverance and revival to his town, to his place. And let's not forget Paul. The great apostle Paul was a murderer of believers, came against Jesus Christ and killed believers. Yet God encountered him and said, you from today onward will will share my good news. And apostle Paul became the greatest of all apostles and wrote most of the New Testament Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So don't tell me. Oh, Pastor Susan, because... I have, I have an unwed mother. Oh, Pastor Susan, I've gone through divorce. Don't tell me that you have no education. Don't tell me you can't speak. Don't tell me that you didn't have this, didn't have that. You don't tell me that you are least qualified because if God can use all these people, God can use you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God can use you. Turn to someone behind you, in front of you, and say God can use you. So don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. Trust God. Trust God that if God can use all these people that he put in the Bible to show you that he can use you to stir up revival in your life, in your family, and out of that overflow into our community. Amen? Number four. Number four. In order for us to see revival, we must engage with our whole heart. We must engage your heart to draw near to God. Jeremiah 30 verse 21 says, Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? You are the one who can pledge your heart. God will not force you. God will not force you. Why are we preaching revival? Because um, I want to stir you up to come to a place where you say, Lord, I will pledge my heart. Amen. Put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, Lord, I pledge my heart heart to seek after you, to to cry for you, to to, uh, to be hungry for you. Use you. Use me as a carrier of your revival. I will stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and may the Holy Spirit overflow out of me me. and bring forth revival. revival. Say revival come. come. Say I want revival. Say I "I need revival. revival. Say I'm desperate for revival. 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 Amen. Amen. God draws us but men must continue to seek. This move of Revival starts with individual, personal, and will culminate into a corporate So a few weeks ago, I saw a vision while we were praying That rivers on the inside broke out And all of you, with rivers flowing out All converged and began to flood through this main door And out into the city of aliso Viejo So understand, this river that is locked on the inside of you must be released. The dam must break. If you pray and you felt your heart is not engaging, you're not there yet. You need to keep praying until your heart breaks, until you move, until your your bones are crying out for revival. Because only when the dam breaks from out of you will the river flow. Will you find revelation, and will you find the passion to do above and beyond where you are today? You have to do it to carry the revival. You didn't, if we we don't sow, if we don't invest in this revival, it will not happen for you. So you need to invest in what God is doing. Invest in your prayer. Start praying. Invest in your giving. Invest in your serving. Come up higher in your level of serving. Come up higher in your level of giving. Keep giving because as I said last week, if there is no living sacrifice on the altar, the fire will not come. If there is no complete surrender of the sacrifice, the, the, the fire will not come. The fire will only come when there is sacrifice on the altar. When you participate, you capture the spirit of revival. So let's begin to set ourselves apart to be the carrier of revival. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 in the Message Bible said it so, so blatantly, so raw. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take up your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. What is Roman, What is Romans trying to tell us? He says that in your daily life, don't exclude God. Involve God in your daily life. In your daily life, put your focus on God. Put your attention on what God is wanting to do from your life day in and day out. Begin to embrace, involve God, Many of us do not involve God in our daily life. We only involve God when we come to church. We only involve God when we maybe set time to pray and study. But yet God should be the Lord of our lives. When we engage God fully with our whole heart, we will see God move. We will hear what God has to say. God will become real on the inside of us. And it is not you chasing after God but God walking with you. God walking with you every day. God sitting with you in your living room. At your dining table with your children, do you know God sits there? When you're having coffee this morning, sitting by your kitchen, God is there. It's just that we don't notice that He is there. Because our thought never drift back to God But if you acknowledge God, the Bible says That you will see Him That He's there every place Every minute of your life Amen So what must we do To really participate in this revival Is that we need to start praying, guys Prayerlessness will not bring revival we need to start praying. We need to start making space, making room for God. We need to start being sensitized to the Holy Spirit, not put the Holy Spirit in a box. Sensitize what he's doing so that we know where and how revival is breaking out. This revival is a redigging of the well, meaning that whatever happened in this territory, God is ready to dig it up. But I tell you, this revival is not of old. It has a shadow of the old, but the new is coming. The former and the latter rain shall meet, and it will bring forth something that you and I have never thought about, never could ever imagine or ask for, but God is doing it. The former rain and the latter rain. A shadow of the old, but it is something new. So let us not put God in a box. Let, uh, let us not let tradition hinder what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Ladies and gentlemen, revival is coming whether you like it or not. But you and I can decide that revival is not going to miss us by and not going to walk us by. That we will be the carrier of this revival we will be participating in this revival. And that is what God called Derek back here for, is to redig the wealth that is here in this territory. Let me tell you the time is here and the time is now. When God called Derek out to Asia, he was in Malaysia for two years as a missionary. And then he came to Singapore to join with a church that was growing and revival broke out. Your pastor was trained for 16 and a half years how to listen to God, walk with God, and how to be a fire starter, how to move atmosphere, how to carry revival in his spirit. God called him out of this territory to protect him and to train him. Because God knows How many of you know God, know God knows? God knows what is going to happen to America God knows what is the apostasy That's going to happen here The rebellion The embracing of religion And values that are not a kingdom I see God protected him God brought him out to Asia And God trained him there And then when it's time God brought him back and you say it's time to redig the well. So you understand this is part of our legacy. We're here to redig back, we're here to recall back yeah. the revival that happened here many years ago. We will continue with it and we will see what God needs to be done, done in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. As we land this service, I want to say this that there are two prerequisites. That we must understand in order for revival to be sustainable. And number one, and that is the sacredness of our faith. The sacredness of our faith. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, Paul told the Corinthians church while taking the Last Supper, He said, You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. What does it mean to be overly familiar? To be overly familiar means to treat as common what is sacred. There's nothing common about God. Just because Christ died for us and He lives on the inside of us doesn't make Him common. Our faith is one of a sacred one. Jesus died for us, the King of all kings, God Himself. Laid down His life to die for us. There's nothing common in that. So we must always reverence what we have. This church is not common. This is not a building. This is the house of God. It is not common. When you walk in here the presence that you feel the tangibility of God's tenderness presence is not common. It is not something that you walk in because that's what you find everywhere. This is a sacred place. That's why we don't allow anyone to come in and use the mic and say whatever they want. We don't host parties here because this is a sanctuary. This is where God dwells. So understand, once our faith is no longer sacred, we lose all power to change the world. Can I hear amen? If you don't understand what lives on the inside is sacred, then you are just a common man and a common woman. But because I know what lives on the inside of me is so sacred, I will hold myself accountable to the way I live, to, the what, to what I think, to what I entertain in my heart, to what I say, because God lives on the inside of me. There's nothing usual about you, because you, are, you don't belong to the, the human race. We belong to the God-man race. Where God and man dwell together And we are not the same As someone who just is man You understand what I'm saying? There's nothing sacred There's nothing common about you So don't try to fit into the world But try to fit into God And when we fit into God God will change the world Amen? The second thing I want you to know is this not only the sacredness of our faith, it's the unity in the faith. The unity in the faith. In John 13, talks about the Last Supper too. But John was the only gospel that recorded before Jesus partook of the Last Supper with His disciples, He washed the feet of every disciple. He washed their feet to demonstrate His love for them and also to demonstrate to them that they are to also love one another and serve one another. And after He washed their feet, He began to partake of the Holy Communion, the Supper. And after He broke the bread and drink of the cup, He began to give the disciples a new commandment. And today I want you to read this commandment together with me. Let's read it out loud. Ready? One, two, three. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another.